Hello and welcome to the QS Table podcast, episode number eight. Now today, it's a bit more of a light-hearted episode. We're going to be applying the lessons from the book The Art of War to Negotiation. Sounds very light-hearted, doesn't it? Let's go to war. <laughs> <laughs> a nice light-hearted episode about murder. It's not what it's about, I think. I think you'll find Dave hasn't read the book, um, so this is a bit of, a, bit of an amateur. <laughs> it's a bit personal. That's war talk. Looks like there will be some murder. <laughs> As always, this is a entertainment podcast, and you are advised to consult a suitably qualified professional if you are in need of any legal or professional advice relating to QSing. But yeah, t- today we're going to be talking about the art of war. So, The Art of War, for those of you who don't know, was a book... Like, like Dave. Like Dave. It's a book written by Sun Tzu, who was a Chinese general more than 2,500 years ago. Obviously, it's quite a w- well-known book worldwide. Obviously, it hasn't reached Dave, though, and deals with specific aspects of war for... War for? <laughs> war Warfare, such as planning, strategy, tactics, intelligence, and different types of terrain. Easy for you to say. Mm, there it is. The book emphasises the importance of careful planning, tactical flexibility, and adaptability to achieve victory. So, how are we going to put that into the into the concept of quantity surveillance? Well, that? I'm glad you asked, Dave, because that's the whole purpose of this episode. I thought I'd give people an introduction. Okay. People such as yourselves, who are yourselves clueless about the art of war. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, not all the uh, lessons that some zoo imparted are relevant to quantity surveying. However, there are quite a few that are, and they're also quite relevant to the business world as a whole. So the key lessons we're going to be talking about are know your enemy and yourself, pick your battles wisely, seek victory through strategy, subdue the enemy without fighting, adopt flexibility and adaptability, be patient and wait for the right moment, and use deception prudently. I'm going to do a lot of listening in today's podcast. I'm waiting to hear how you uh, you implement these into your daily life, Sam. Well, I suppose we start with the first one, do we? Yeah, that's it. That seems like a good plus. Just not it. I'm sort of sure Sun Tzu would approve of that. <laughs> so the first one is know your enemy and yourself. Now, obviously, that this is a one of the book's central lessons. That you have to understand your own weaknesses and your strengths as well as your opponents. So Dan would you like to. Do you know what? I was actually thinking to myself this more. week. I thought, you know what? I wonder if he's going to go to Dave this week first. Well, <laughs> I don't think he's going to contribute a lot this week. Well, I'm pretty sure that he would know his enemy and he would know himself. <laughs> do, do, do you know yourself? I, I know myself regularly. <laughs> most showers. Good. It's quite healthy. It's, it's not healthy. <laughs> it's, it's called lowering the tone, Sam. It's childish again. So, to try and bring it back to surveying a little bit, mm-hmm. it's not always about enemies, is it? It's about... If you're going well, to attend your, your, your opponent, your, your opponent. That's your I opponent. think that's yeah. So when you you're attending a meeting with a subcontractor and you try going into final account negotiations, mm. it's always good to understand where you are coming from, what your position is, where where you can go to, and what things you believe will help you win that argument. So you've got to understand where they're going to be coming from as well, and where they've spent their money and where they've saved their money. So it. It's getting a greater understanding of the situation before you attend the meeting. And the personalities, I think. I think it's very similar. There's certain people that react emotionally rather than thoughtfully, let's say. So if you know that you're going to go to a meeting with someone that gets emotional very quickly, 
you might want to deliver what you're going to deliver in a slightly more tactful manner. So I think by knowing your opponent and their, their traits and their, their personalities, as well as their costs, I think it can be applied to several factors. It's important to know what you're up against in all aspects of life, not just surveying, so that's very true. I was like to pull them the horizon. I was, I was just trying to narrow the horizon based on it being a quantity surveying podcast, but I, I, do, I don't well, disagree with you that in all aspects it, it, it of It doesn't life. just have to be down at cost, though. I mean, parts of what we do involves a lot of psychology. Is that it's managing what, people's expectations and their egos? You know, when you yeah. go into a meeting and you're going to tell someone that you're about to issue a domestic cost significant value to them, if that person's going to hit the roof, you're going to be very tactful about how you and you're going to preempt a bad reaction. So you're probably going to put some measures in place to counter what he goes through. So I, I do think it's an important lesson. I think it can be adopted not just a quantity savan, purely negotiation in in the blog was tacked on, but. I think in, in any forms of negotiating or, or meeting or discussions, getting a perception of both sides of the story can only be a benefit. And take, take a little bit of extra time to think about it before you actually go into it. Yeah, put yourself in their shoes. What would you say if you had the same argument in front of you? And, and that will help you sort of create more of a comprehensive proposal, let's say. Right. So the next lesson is pick your battles wisely. Now. So this sort of relates to maintaining your relationship and not getting dragged into a full-scale battle um, to the death in an account meeting. Never ideal. It's not just that. You, you look at the other one. We touched on it when we did smash and grab adjudication. Now, I could be in a situation where I could win a smash and grab and I could go and get their money. In my opinion, it's scorched earth tactics. Mm. Is that client ever going to give me another project? Exactly. So it's... You have to pick and choose where you are going to war based on what's the bigger picture. Mm. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I think it's all about, again, you know, using prime examples, there's a time to bring in the big gun, so to speak. If, if you're going to sort of have major escalation over the first little dispute, then, you know, you're probably going to find yourself that when you get to a serious matter, it's not going to be taken as serious because, you know, it's like the boy who cried wolf. If you keep bringing everyone in and keep escalating for every small issue, I, th I think it's one of them where sometimes you, you you take an L in order to have a bigger win. Later Lose on the down. battle, win the war. That's, that's the same. I'll, I'll just try to stay away from war for it because since we've got this fight to the death, war in there, yeah. I, I thought to, and I well, did it, find it, myself it's going sort of the theme of the book. It's called The Art of War. Okay, well, there you go then. Lose the battle, win the war. Okay. So next up, we've got seek victory through strategy. So obviously, this is talking about the importance of having a strategy before you do have a battle or an account meeting or a discussion or anything, yeah. really. You can't just mindlessly go in and expect to get your own way. I mean, You've got what, to formulate a plan of action. The advice is actually pretty good, there. if you read that, the blog. The, the blog is quite well written. Avoid so, making rash decisions, be patient, allow the other party to reveal their hand first, can put you in a stronger position to yeah. negotiate. I, I actually think, I mean, granted, I read it, but I think that's. <laughs> yeah, in your humble opinion, you do the job right in your own power. In my humble opinion, I'm, I'm literally putting some weight behind my own statements. Yeah, it's quite good. <laughs> well done. See, I, the way I was always taught, Sam, is when you're going into a meeting with a client or with a contractor, that the best thing to do is think of what their response is going to be um, and therefore try and guide the conversation into that down that route down that mm. path if you can try and command the narrative that 
they're going to bring up a situation that you've already got the counter argument ready for. It's easy winding me up. <laughs> That's exactly what I've said about knowing your enemy and know yourself. Yeah. But that's, this is through the strategy, isn't it? That's the whole point of knowing the enemy. Is is if if you can if you can command the narrative of the conversation, then the chances of you getting a better outcome or the yeah. outcome that you want you guide it to where you're comfortable. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't disagree. It's just I, I thought myself. You know, he laughed at me, but saying it earlier, and he's used that very example. So yeah. I, I accept that as validation, Dave. Uh, what can I say? Some some days we're fickle. I'm, I'm glad we. I'm glad we explained to people that today's podcast was to be a little bit more lighthearted because I. I think that that would have been missed by most listeners by now. Just pick your battles wisely. Seek victory through strategy. All we've got to do. Right. Next one is subdue the enemy without fighting. This is the art of putting a very heavy object on them. No, I've not read the book. Right. So give him the quote, Sam. But, yeah. Let, let me start this off with a direct quote from Sun Tzu: "The supreme art of war." is to subdue the enemy without fighting to drugs. Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that is not legal. A statement written two and a half thousand years ago by a warlord that says the supreme art of war is, is to subdue an enemy without fighting. And I was just saying, well, he obviously used drugs. <laughs> so how are we going to subdue our enemy in a final account meeting? Well, make a valid point, Dave. Staying in the realms of the law. So how would you well, subdue an enemy, Sam? Good at the hypnotism. <laughs> Look at the shiny, shiny. Shiny, shiny. What you Science. would do is, again, this sort of ties back to strategy, but it would be um, sort of carefully manoeuvring around the situation. Sounds like and you're carefully manoeuvring away from answering that. <laughs> <laughs> and avoid backing the, not the enemy, because Dave doesn't like that word, the opponent into a corner, because when someone's in a corner, there's only one way you can go, back out at you. So you carefully give them an exit to the side where they can take your argument and leave peacefully. Ergo, avoiding the need for fighting. I'm still waiting for him to answer the question. I, 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 do you know what? I'm sitting here thinking, so has he been subdued? It sounds to me like you just give him a get out of jail guy. Yeah, you just, you've hoodwinked him and, and took him out the side door by the sound of it. I get yeah. the I get the um, no, but it, I get the sentiment of not directly you. attacking him. If you corner an animal, they're, they're more yeah. important to fight. But yeah, a, a win-win outcome is better than a win-lose. Again, it depends on the strength of your <laughs> argument, doesn't it? These are all very similar sort of traits, and you could take them one way or another. But I mean, that know your enemy and picking your battles it sort of comes into that same factor. This subdue the enemy without fighting. So, what about an example? I'm going to try and agree a final account with you. I'm going to ask you for a million pound when I know that it's not worth a million pound, it's only worth £700,000, but I'm going to put some easy win arguments in there for you to take some money out of the account so you feel like you've got a fantastic deal when you lowered the account down to 800 So is that the sort of bit you're going with, Sam? You're trying to give, a, give somebody an out? and yeah, a win win rather than a win-win. Well, I probably wouldn't tell someone that it's a load of... Well, that's the idea well, of the subduing him with your... I was, I, was to, I was trying to think of a, a commercial <laughs> narrative to sort of match your... Do you know the sad thing? The sad thing is I've actually read the book and the story that went around there was along the lines of he let his opponent think that they felt they were so superior to him. You know, it was like that, oh, please don't hurt us tomorrow after the slaughter. So their army was out celebrating all night, drinking, preparing for an easy battle. And then basically when they was all drunk and asleep, they run through and slaughtered them. Hmm. So I'm not sure in the book he gave him that 
exit strategy that you, it, it was actually quite brutal but I'll take the sentiment yeah. convince your opponent that you're close. in all of their ability bow down to their ego I, I was close there I mean I, I do own the book but I haven't physically read it <laughs> you, you, you dug you out Dave eh? I, I, listen well, I do own it though, so I'm one step on from Dave. All I would say is that while you may not have read the book, these teachings, statements, lessons, principles, whatever you want to say, they've been repeated and copied and manipulated into so many different sayings and things that you're probably quite aware of. I mean, I'm pretty sure, Sam, that someone said to you before, pick your battles wisely, son. Whoa, whoa, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. <laughs> so Dave, anything that you'd like to add to the subdued the enemy without fighting other than the shiny shiny hypnotism well I, I was I was trying to throw Sam a bit of a lifeline with the let's let's put some easy wins on the table that the client feels so, like he's, he's taken uh, how was that a lifeline anyway let's move on from uh, from this topic so the next lesson is adopt flexibility and adaptability well that's what you've done You've, you've literally changed from killing people to throwing lifelines. Yeah. Well, Dave changed, it. changed it from that. But obviously this is um, fairly self-explanatory. If uh, someone comes up with an argument that sort of takes away from your initial argument, you've got to flexibly adapt your argument to come up with a new angle of attack. Oh, I wish this was videoed. The facial expressions on the boy. Is <laughs> it... I'm, I'm, I'm lost here because he said this adopt flexibility and adaptability is pretty self-explanatory and then his entire explanation was you need to be flexible and you need to adapt he's saying it me his argument flopped and you need to adapt and, and change the narrative I think is what he was getting change, change the narrative <coughs> I mean it, it is just be flexible and adaptable that's, that's all there is to it really I think in negotiation you have to be fle- you, you have to find compromise otherwise negotiation don't work if you if you want everything your own way there's no point in negotiating is it, so you've got to be everything. It has yeah. to, it's got to be fair and reasonable and yeah. it's got, again one of the things I was taught when I was an apprentice was is, Do you is it, that it was a fair few years ago now but it was um, if both parties are unhappy with the deal then it was probably fair because if you didn't get every penny you wanted, and I and I had to pay more than I wanted, then it, it's probably a fair it's probably a fair outcome. That's not always true. Though. It's not always true. But I don't think it's the rule. It's not. I, but it's, that, it's definitely a theory. I mean, let's be honest. If if one party get walks away from the meeting happy, then it hasn't really been a compromise. Has it? I mean, what, exactly what, that. What's the difference between a win win and a lose lose? Well, on a on a lose lose, you'll probably <laughs> never ever work together ever again. Yeah, you've lost the relationship, and you paid more than you wanted. But what what you're saying there, is sort of a lose lose situation. It's a win win situation because I I I I have not achieved everything I want, and you've not achieved everything you want because in, but, but in we, life, found, we found a, an it, amicable. There's ground. an amicable ground somewhere in the middle that is reasonable that both parties are not over the moon. If we go to a final account negotiation and I leave the room skipping joyful and off to book a new holiday, and you leave the room close to tears and trying to find a pack of Richmond sausages at the bottom of the freezer. Like we it, do when we sit with Dave. <laughs> it, it probably wasn't a fair deal, was it? No. No, I don't, I don't disagree with that, but that's not what I was talking about at all. You've been very flexible, though. I'll have to give you that. All I'd say it's is... the yoga. It's not. It's not bad advice. I mean, the way I, I I see it is that when you're in any sort of negotiation process, you have to adapt to the information before you. 
Now, if you think, I mean, let's be honest, you lock yourself in a room, you convince yourself you're right. When you then go and have your meeting, you put across your argument and somebody introduces a piece of information you may not have been party to or aware of, you've got to think on your feet and you've got to change tact to accommodate the new surroundings. So I think the way I would spin that is to say that you shouldn't be fixed in any certain position. You should know what you can live with as a number, you can know what you want as a number, and if you achieve something between those two variables, you've, you've had a good win. And if you have to settle for your bottom line, you, you've got away without losing anything. So the, what is a win-win, lose-lose is very subjective, I think. I think in my eyes, anything that doesn't sustain a financial loss or problem to the business and gets you the next job can only be a win. Anything where you have to take a, a financial um, burden or you don't get the next job or you lose a client is, is a lose. Hmm. So I think that wraps up flexibility and adaptability quite well. Only if you're sure. There was two L's in that one, wasn't there? Anyway, so obviously this is talking about the importance of patience. Right, the book encourages patience and waiting for the right moment to act. In negotiation, this means waiting for the right opportunity or moment to make a move or a proposal. That's it. So again, you don't want to go in all guns blazing. You want to carefully your, consider your, your options. Go for the cliches. You're going to keep your powder dry or keep your cards close to your chest. Well, I, I think this also relates back to one of the earlier ones, which is waiting for your opponent to show their hand. If you draw them out, see their hand, and then adapt your strategy accordingly. Starting three, though, that's quite good. I think it's saying everything. I mean, if the other party plays their hand, it gives you a lot better opportunity to build your argument around their position. So it's, it's easier to defend than yeah, to attack. There's like never in some situations never a disadvantage to the other party showing their hand. But I tend to find it's the other way. I, I think that people hold on to their hand for too long in, in the majority of instances, and you find yourself, and it can be really frustrating that you spend weeks arguing about certain variation or claim whatever item it may be and then at the point it gets escalated and everyone's bosses are in the room the other party come back with a reasonable solution that you'd have accepted 10 weeks ago but it takes sometimes it takes that that escalation or that problem for people to be willing to show their yeah. hand everyone's always a bit hesitant until that goes back to the flexibility though isn't it there's some oh, people yeah. they they go into it they go into a negotiation not thinking it's a negotiation and it's them dictating terms, yeah. and they and they defend draw the their line, draw their line in the sand. They defend that position, they, and then they've got no wiggle room left. Mm. Whereas, in my opinion, the best way to go into any meeting is to go in with that bit of wiggle room and willingness to sort of try and find a reasonable middle ground. If you go in, like you said, you need what you need to know what your bottom line number is. If you if you go into your meeting to agree your final count and the first number you put on the table is your absolute rock bottom number, the chances of you actually getting that account agreed are slim to none. You you've taken away any flexibility yeah, that, you have. that you've that you've got, and any if if you show your hand too early, then it's right. That's your starting point. By the way, you've not addressed these contra charges or this bit of work never got carried out, and before you know it, you're losing money on the job. I think it's it's a really difficult situation because a lot of people we come across now in the industry, they're only given parameters that they can operate in. And sometimes, like you say, Dave, they, they haven't got the actual authority to, to move on anything, just defend 
a harsh position and you know, we talked about in a previous podcast people I don't think play the game is, is quite the right phrase but people like to string accounts along and not agree until the end because they, they feel it gives you a bigger bargaining option so yeah I, I don't I don't disagree with what you're saying but sometimes I feel that patience is you know, it's, again it's a very subjective thing how long you would put up with a scenario before escalating it could be different to, to me or Dave so I agree with the the sentiment but I just think it goes back to it's picking and choosing your battles as well isn't individuals it? Is, is this really the hill you want to die on are we really going to yeah. go escalate it to board directors and clients and clients teams over something that is only worth two grand and yeah, we, we could, could move uh, on, uh, move on and, and get it put to bed it, it usually culminates and becomes a, a much bigger problem than it that's the that's the issue so what we're saying is you can be too patient and can go too far I, I think it's horses for courses I think every scenario needs to be treated on its own merits. Yeah. The individual, the company, the relationship, all, all these factors of your business, you need to weigh up and say, right, well, this is going on. I don't like this. What do I do about it? And got to know you have to make a decision from there. Well, that, that's, that's another one. <coughs> and have a strategy. Yeah. You're just and reading, flexible. You're just say, yeah. reading the bullet points. Well, I don't, I, I'm just saying it's amazing how these are all so interconnected. Who would have thought it? Yeah. yeah. When you went to war, you needed strategy and a plan. Yeah. Madness. So that takes us on to our last point, which is use deception prudently. Was well, that just a fancy way of saying don't get caught? I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> is that, are you advising people to just lie and don't get found out? Is, is that just, what that basically I, means? I, I'm not actually advising anything. In the blog, I'm just trying to point out here that you need to be fully aware that anything you do that is not the truth and I don't mean do anything illegal I'm just talking about if you lie about stuff the second you get caught out and you get exposed as being a liar it your whole character is brought into question and it could have wider I mean if your opponent as we're talking about war and all if they can portray bad character in front of your directors it really puts you up on a, on a yeah. wrong footing. It's, it's not even just character, is it? It's also ability. If you can, if you can undermine the other person opposite you, then how are you ever well, going to? The word in Dave is if they can put that into the minds of your senior management about your competency. Yeah. And and that for me is the biggest thing. I think every time you go into a room, if you, you might have overmeasured something, you might have built in a little bit of negotiation, fact, whatever you want to call it. But if you can't explain that and talk it through. I don't think you should be going forward with it. Unless you can put up a, a plausible argument. It doesn't have to always be 100% correct. doesn't have to be factual. But you have to say how you got there and you have to be able to demonstrate it. The rights, the wrongs, the wheeze and the work, they come out in the wash. But if you sit there, there's nothing worse, in, in my experience, yeah. when you put an argument across to somebody and they just look at you blankly, straight away you, you lose all respect for that person. And for me, it's not a good look. Mm. The fact that you're just sitting there looking at me blankly now. You know, <laughs> it's that look I'm talking about. <laughs> Right, so in conclusion, I've got to ask Dave for his opinion. I didn't think he had one. Dave, do you have an opinion? I'll, I'll, I'll I'll not to, to be fair, you are quite a scrupulous character, so I can see you having an opinion. On scrupulous character? I, uh, I've, I've always liked to believe that I'm quite a truthful person, mm. um, and I don't feel like deception is should be part of what we do as a living. But like Dan's saying, is there's you can you can value things in a way that are more advantageous, and if you've got if you bought the job properly and you've got quantified schedule of rates, then you should be making a margin and a profit on that. If if you're 
lying and deceiving people to or fabricating fabricating or whatever way you want to dress it up it it, it it's going to put your whole it, it's going to it's going to mess with your reputation it's going to affect your ability to do your job in the future you, people don't forget liars it, it could affect you being employed it's a very we got remember it's a very small industry and people know people or have worked with people yeah. and if you get exposed as being incompetent or or so not we've, being able to we've, justify we've, stuff. We've all been in a situation, or although some of us Ex- might not Exclaimer, I want to know what this is before. We've, so. we've, we've all been in a situation where you've you've been caught on the back foot where you've you've got to justify costs that maybe you didn't put together or you didn't you didn't price or you're in a meeting and you've got to discuss an account and you don't you're not aware of hundred percent of the facts. But you in that situation, I've always found this is is just saying, look, to the best of my understanding, this is what happened. But if you go in there and say, say, this is this, this is this, this is this, this is this, and you aren't aware of all of the facts, and the people on the other side of the table know that you're just winging it and making it up as you go along, you're going to lose their respect, they're not going to believe what you put forward, they're going to criticise your work ten times more, and they're just going to have this perception that you're trying to rip them off. It will damage relationships, it will damage future work, it will damage it, and you won't get, you won't make loads of money. Because people are going to scrutinise your work to that level of detail because they believe that they're getting ripped off. So I, I don't think... I, I know the lesson from the blog is to use it prudently. Um, I, I personally just wouldn't use it. I don't I don't think it's a... Um, well, I don't know. I think in the blog, I think what he, he was trying to get, obviously, in the war thing is when you're going to deceive people, you've got to be really careful because you don't want to come off as not being honourable. Yes. And, and I, I think the, the actual point is... Don't overuse it. I think in the in the factors that you touched on, if you want to put look, I've measured it to the. If there's two ways of measuring, if you let's be really simple, I'm installing some paving stones. There's one way that's going to cost me five grand. There's one way that's going to cost me six grand. Let's build it for the five grand, charge it for the six grand. It's not wrong, but let them pick that up, and that's part of the negotiation you knock off at the end. That's as far as I will take it. But for me, the, the rule of thumb that I've always used in my career is that if I put something on the table, I can justify it. And the other thing, what you got to remember about a lot of what we do, we we price things before the event. So yeah, so there's a lot. Of, <clears throat> you make reasonable assumptions of I think it's going to take this long, and then after the event, it's oh, they managed to do it quicker. Then okay, we'll we'll discuss the price and we'll agree the price. As I'm saying, so I, I never feel there's a reason when you sit down because let's, let's be honest, we've all had that horrible account where it's all gone wrong and it comes back to everyone getting the drawings out. And sometimes you know you've you've expected to bring it from. I know, look, let's use a bit of electrical install. You've run a piece of containment from point A to point B. You've measured it all there. Well, anyway, it turns out they didn't go from point A to B. They picked it up from C, and it was 50 metres instead of 100. Well, that comes out in the wash. They say, well, we've looked at it on site. This was done. It's not that I was wrong. It's that they did it another way on site. So you then acknowledge it and say, well, okay, then. I'll take that away, and I'll verify that. When you go back, and we actually picked it up from that point instead it's fair game then you, you go down you, you do it you make it aware of it adjust your costs and sell accordingly so the biggest thing to take take on board is that you don't always have to make a decision on the spot don't be afraid to say well okay then I'll take on board your comments yeah I will go and have a look at them and validate them and I'll come back to you with an assessment and as I say if, if you do that you come across as being a lot more transparent approachable and thorough and I think people respect you more for it I, I don't disagree with that at all it's, it's, it's one of the only things on this list so far that I, um, I, I don't agree with. Everything else, I think there's there's genuine lessons there that we you can take into business. It doesn't have to be war. But um, deception definitely isn't something 
that should be used in any way, shape, or form. I, I think it's your interpretation of deception. Yeah, I, I think in the the realms you're taking it to a certain extreme. Oh, I'm taking this. I mean, well, because I I think it is scrupulous character. You, you hit the nail on the head, Tom. Yeah, type reverts to type. Don't no, it's it's a, it's a surprisingly small industry, and there's a lot of people know a lot of people, and it and it's a lot of work is won and lost on reputation and do you really want to have the reputation out there as being somebody that is deceptive being a liar who, who wants to do business with a liar nobody so anyway a recap point yeah, yeah. We're, we are so in summary the book emphasizes careful planning flexibility and adaptability to achieve victory and can be applied to many aspects of business oh, at the end wholeheartedly of, agree with that at the end of the day this is what the book's about achieving victory and to be honest, I think a lot of what it says is kind of common sense. But it was written two and a half thousand years ago. Obviously, yeah. Perhaps it wasn't common sense at the time. Are you, are you aware of the other, the brutal story at the beginning of the book? Well, Sam has just admitted that he owns the book, but has never read I, it. I've seen the cover. Is that what you're talking about? It's the, it's, the perception of intelligence is no, more there's, imp- there's important a, than the actual intelligence. So basically, he was, he was building up a bit of a reputation as being a, a great leader of being a, a general. So the king decided... That he was going to try and mock him, so he, he called him up at a ceremony and sort of basically said, to, and again I'm paraphrasing, so it's along these lines. So he calls him up and he says to him, "I hear you're a great leader of men and you can lead any army." To which he says, "Yeah, confident fellow, a bit like yourself, Sam." Mm. So then he says to him, "Right, well, okay then. Well, there's a hundred women over there. I want you to go and make them into an army. Show me what you do." So he basically put them into lines, five lines. Calls the end one over to him and he basically says, "Look, when I." say X do X, when I say Y do Y, and anyway he goes away, calls X, they're all laughing and giggling, Y, doesn't happen, calls them back again, and he says, two things either occurred here, either I wasn't clear, or you wasn't doing what you should be, sends them back again, Y they're giggling, X they're giggling, calls them back, cuts off their heads, he calls the next ones in line up, gives them the same directions, and ironically, when they went back, when he called Y, they did Y, when he called X, they did X. So to be an effective manager, you've got to cut off people's heads. Sometimes you have to you have to cut out the weakness. Mm. It depends on how many metaphors you want to get. You're only as strong as your weakest link. That's the one the chain. I'm just waiting for that one to yeah. come. But I think it emphasises the point, Sam, that you give people directions and there can only be two outcomes. Mm. Either your directions wasn't clear or they decided not to follow them. And in life, if you find people to sit more on one side of the fence than the other, is how valuable the hell is the is a lesson which didn't make the blog so yeah. disappointing maybe you can edit it it's a bit of a brutal story though you, know, you can't really start I mean is your blog PG so you can't have is it PG <laughs> can't have the heading <laughs> <laughs> is, is it PG <laughs> he's done me there I thought that was a cup of tea <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's uh, the art of war for you nice little light hearted episode so make sure you apply that in your everyday life and uh, you've had your daylight. Can't go too yeah. wrong. Be flexible on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> Lose the battle, win the war. You never. You can always go to Asda yeah. instead of Tesco. That's it. Yeah. Other supermarkets are available, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to single winning out. But yeah, th- thank you very much for joining me. I don't think I introduced everyone. So thank you, Daniel. Thank you, David. Thank you, Sam. It's, it's, been it's always a, nice to have an introduction at the end. Of yeah. It? It, well, it's know. been a pleasure. Don't don't forget as well, Sam. That people should Google the QS Table blog. I should. And that will turn to the website where they can find all the social media links and email address. Podcasts, the blogs. It's a a hub of brilliance. A hub of brilliance. They probably don't need the link to the podcast, they already listened. 
Well, it's just an extra. Give people more. <laughs> Don't just give them what they want. Give them more. So. Yeah. Uh, give them things they already I'll have. Tell you what, if only you knew that two and a half thousand years ago. Yeah. Could have wrote a sequel. And <laughs> you could have wrote a sequel. <laughs> That's a recommendation. <laughs> the art of shopping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might as well listen to the audio book. I believe it's free. Why would Sam do that? Sam well, could I'll download it and not listen to it. Well, well no, because just look at the copy of it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Not open it and read it, just look at the cover. Just look at it. When yeah. did you buy the book, Sam? It was, I, it was, I got gifted it. Either it? last Christmas or the Christmas before. And you haven't read it? No. Right. So, if you download the audio book, you might have more chance to listen to it. No, I don't like audio books. don't like podcasts either. Well, it shows. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. I don't like them, but thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for but, what, uh, Thanks for putting yourself through that. Yeah. Thanks for putting myself through that. <laughs> what a close-up. You've now came to the end of your ordeal. <laughs> <laughs>